Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today is fun because it's going to be a little bit like sitting in on a private session with parents, except for instead of clients, it's with two friends of mine, a husband and wife, Dana Klein, a comedy writer, and Mark Feuerstein, an actor who's been in a zillion shows from the West Wing to the soon-to-be-released Babysitter's Club. And these are real unplanned questions and answers with friends who have three kids and are doing it just like everybody else. Thank you for listening and let me know what you think. So I want to just have a relaxed conversation but I want to hear what's going on and if there's anything. And full disclosure, I know you very well. Very, very well. Um, Let me share how well. <laughs> Go ahead. Get it off your chest. We've been friends for a long time. And Elisa is really the third member of our marriage. <laughs> there was a time when, as parents, you can all out there relate to this, that first moment when your kids are all gone <laughs> and you have the house to yourselves. It's like that moment in risky business when Tom Cruise slides across the floor. And for me, that happened. And I slid across the floor knowing it was just me and my wife. <laughs> and then out walks Aliza. <laughs> I'm staying for six weeks. Yeah. Oh, honey, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's going to be here. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> <laughs> so she is the third member of us. Um, thanks for that. Was Love very you. sweet. Love you. I Don't love ever you. stay for that long again. <laughs> yes, you can anytime. I won't ever ever do that as a surprise again. Right. Sure. It's um, probably on me. I probably should have shared that with him. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Might have to do more with our communication. So I had something. Uh, my sister um, has uh, her a daughter. One daughter who is going to be three in June, and she. Um, had a question for me that I thought I would ask you because I really didn't know the answer. Okay. So what happened was if they were on vacation in Florida with um, John's grandmother, my sister's husband's grandmother, mm -hmm. and it was time to leave and time to get dressed. And my sister said, it's time to get dressed. Leave the vacation? Yes. Uh -huh. And um, Juliet would not get dressed. Juliet is the child. Wouldn't get dressed and was running around. And then um, Amanda eventually, like, started to force her body to, mm -hmm. you know, get her dressed. And then she uh, was gently touching Amanda's hair. And then she pulled it hard. Mm -hmm. And here's how my sister reacted, which I think she's 
worried was not the right reaction, <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe it was not. So she yelled for her husband, and then— So her hair gets pulled. So her hair gets Amanda pulled. Amanda yelled for her husband. Amanda yells for her husband, mm-hmm. who was, like, nearby. Why is she yelling for her I don't husband? know. This is what she did. I'm sure she—it w- wasn't premeditated. This was but just I, her— re- Wait, it gets worse. Everybody's— <laughs> then, Everybody's— Everybody's a judge. Worst nightmare. And a, and a, <laughs> We're going to judge this story, yeah. but so far, go it's on. A, is she worried? Don't be a Monday morning quarterback or whatever they say. No, but I mean, she, I, I genuinely am curious. Like, do you think she was concerned about grabbing Juliet herself— and hurting her in some way because it was unwieldy and it was behind her. Could have um, been right behind her and she couldn't get to the daughter. And she said, John, John, she's on the back of my head. I don't think it was that. It I was think like it was, was just like she mad. was shocked and like John, like didn't know what to do. So she how yelled did, for how John. How to discipline at that moment. What to do. Okay. Okay. And then Juliet pulled her hair again harder and pulled a chunk out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Pulled a chunk out, I guess. And then. <laughs> and then. Donate it. Amanda started crying. Oh, well. <laughs> because it hurt. Of course. I think she, like, just started crying. A chunk of scalp. And then <laughs> then she um, told Juliet that she was crying because <laughs> she pulled her hair and it hurt. Okay. Okay. And then Juliet immediately sat down and, like, started getting dressed. And since then, she's been really clingy and needy. And so my sister wants to know how to— uh, fix, she senses that that was not the right way to handle the situation and what, A, how to, where to go from here because she is, you know, feels bad that Juliet is being clingy and needy. Before Eliza gives her master take on it, can I just uh, pick up on one thing, which is the response, which was to say, I'm crying and it's because of what you did to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I imagine there's a a lot to be examined there in terms of giving guilt as a way of communicating and making her feel like she did something wrong, a judgment well, on it. It's as an well. interesting question because if I don't know if Juliet said, Why are you crying? And it would that, right. uh, you know, because and it is you true. could be crying right. that it hurt. And, and right, but in, instead of a sort of commanding from a place of, strength explaining why or just what she did was wrong dealing with the act she's sort of maybe giving her the power and saying you did this to me and you should feel terrible well right she maybe shamed her what do you think a little bit i think that the thing is is that most of what's happening after the fact is probably her daughter is reacting to amanda's lack of repair like something, it wasn't a great interaction. Mm-hmm. We have terrible interactions all the time. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really matter. What matters is that you repair those interactions and move on so the kids learn that there's, you know. Bumps in the road. Bumps in the road. And then but it's okay. I, and then it's okay. But and how do you okay. Re- so okay, if, so, how so let's say you, you, you feel like you, re- you had a strong reaction, totally natural to have a beautiful plan about what you would say. You know, Juliet, that hurts pulling pulling mommy's hair hurts. I need to put you down and take care of my hair right now or whatever. What about pulling mommy's hair is not okay? She said that. Sure. Right. You can say that too. It's not okay. But you have to say why. It hurts. It's not just not okay because it's not okay, but there's a reason. And then, you know, if you're mad, you can do X, Y, or Z. But let's say she just is too emotional to get to that point and this happens. Then coming, getting back from that, just saying, let's take a breath. Okay. That hurt, and I got upset, 
and now I'm okay and you're okay and we're going to just move on now. And then just showing her that we've moved on. But probably what happened is that she feels guilty, so she's being extra cuddle, like, mm. extra, like, oh, you need me right now and I'm going to just make sure you know that I love you so much because I was so mean for a minute. And then in response, Juliet's kind of worried that her mom is like not mad okay. at her or not okay. And is she what she was crying because of her? And is everything going to be okay? And then it just becomes a cycle. So if you go back to normal and just say that was, you know, she's awfully young. I don't know when this happened. If it was a couple of days ago, she could readdress it and say, remember when that happened? Mm-hmm. That. You were mad. Like, just make a statement and just say, and so you pulled mommy's hair and that hurt. But now I'm okay and you're okay. And then, like, move along. She's not in an age where you'd say, tell me a little bit about how you feel about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just making a statement and then repairing so that she learns there's things that you could do and not do. Sure, that's that's one lesson. But in this case, it's like, I'm going to get upset. All the time, and then I'm going to be fine. And we're all going to go through that many times in our lives. Because if you're a perfect parent and you say the perfect thing all the time, the one drawback is you don't get the opportunity to blow it and show them that that's okay, too, Mm -hmm. and that you have to repair. But all the research on secure attachment and relationships and connection, if it doesn't include the repair when there's been a disrepair or a disconnect— it's not very useful. It doesn't, you're not, no human being is stable and perfect all the time in their responses and always calm and always thoughtful and rational and concise in their directions. But how they repair is what can mess with kids. And mm-hmm. so if she can just get back to forgiving herself for having a bad reaction and then moving on, I'm sure Juliet will then feed off of that energy and they'll be back. And to back it up, I remember this with our kids, like when you want them to get dressed, let's say, or wash their hands. Do or anything. Do anything. <laughs> and you uh, let them know what's going to be happening. And then, um, you know, it's now time to do this. And then what is the right thing to do if she wants her to get dressed and she's like running before, away? B- before this happened. Yes. Well, uh, right. And also, we may as well address, maybe we don't have Amanda listen to this, but <laughs> but when she yelled for her husband. Sure. Again, that was an emotional reaction. But I'm sure her I'm sure Juliet was like, whoa, what was that? Let me do that again. Um, because that's big attention in some way, negative or positive, right. to, to what she did. And so is chasing somebody. If you're chasing someone, you want them to do something or get dressed. You either tell your kid what you need from them, get up close, eye level, please do X, Y, and Z, or give them a choice if they're that age. Yes. Do you want to get dressed now or after breakfast, whatever it is, and then or put your pants on or your shirt on first. But then that's it. If she runs around, don't chase her. Let her run around for five minutes. Then when she comes back to her, which she will because she's going to get bored having no attention, then get her clothes on and just don't gotcha. don't chase. So maybe you need a little um, time cushion so that you're not, you know, right. if that happens, you have time to let her go run around for five or 10 minutes yeah. or whatever it takes. I, I actually always think uh, until kids are so old that it's just none of our business that they shouldn't do anything but get dressed right when they wake up, just so that's done. Like then you have like that's all the, the other thing. stuff, playing, breakfast, relaxing can happen after the thing that happens that always causes fights and tension. Right. But there's always with. something. It could be having to change a diaper right. or, right, yeah. getting shoes on. I mean, I, I would, you can also walk I would barefoot. Dive, dive into a little bit of an addy thing about what you're talking about. Sure. Um, that's so great. We need that. And it's organic. Transition it's just, to – you guys, yeah. a seamless transition. But 
That was a great answer about yes. Juliet. Um, she's a great podcaster. <laughs> Sorry. Is that, Is that going to be cut? Yes. No, it won't. No, it won't. <laughs> um, so Addie is this amazing, ebullient, mm-hmm. full of life, beautiful nine-year-old. And we should say, without getting too involved, that there is history there in terms of and it's she up, was, up to you. It's not it's not insignificant history. So yeah, we can touch on it as much or as little as Dana and you guys want to. But she was, you know, she had a rare congenital heart defect, which was diagnosed when she was five months old, and she had two open heart surgeries. She was in the CTICU for 89 days at Children's Hospital LA. Which is the best hospital ever. And Thank you, Dr. Real, Starnes. Dr. Vaughn Starnes. Dr. David Ferry. Dr. David Ferry. Diagnosed her. All of them. These are miracle workers mm-hmm. and all the nurses in the uh, NICU and CTICU. She at wasn't in hospital. the NICU, but yeah. They, I don't know. Was that necessary? I mean, she might have been there for a second. She wasn't. Mm-hmm. And she was six months old when she was diagnosed, but it's fine. It doesn't matter. Go on. Love you. Right. We'll cut all that. There's a, there's a relationship <laughs> podcast next door. We're going to go there, right, <laughs> right from here. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's just something you should know as we because talk about Because how I, relevant how? Just well, because maybe would, we are a little... I can, an, I can answer that, actually. Oh, yeah. In getting her back to good, it was... Uh, there were a lot. Of, there were a lot of aspects to, re, you know, achieving a kind of stasis after all that trauma, yeah. and it was enormous. I mean, she was hooked up to eight to ten pumps that were, you know, in addition to the medicine she needed, there were drugs that w- would have been too much for a junkie. A, a nurse once told me, so it was just a, an incredible shock to her entire system that whole period of time when she was so little. Thank God for the plasticity of children's bodies and brains she's so good now Mm -hmm. all good um and we're so grateful and thankful and thank our lucky stars every day that she's good um but the sensitivity around just feeding her Mm -hmm. when she came out was a lot we were just trying to get her to eat and uh, we had an amazing nanny diana who was brilliant with the mush that you would prepare to feed her just she was, so she yeah, got she was very underweight so she, she had a grew. feeding thing in her nose and, and so little details like that about the first years of her life affect how we perceive her and treat her of course that's all i wanted to say as we dive into talking about how Addie can have anxious moments um sometimes in the morning if it's she just doesn't have the proper pants that feel comfortable the proper shirt uh the thing she was going to wear for pajama day can send her into off into a tizzy and it's sometimes unmanageable and there I've lost my temper I've kept my cool I've prepared for extra time to get those things together there are strategies and then there are just the moments where it's just off the hook and it often manifests in screaming for on her end, on her end, right. on her end, which makes sense, right? When you're when when you have anxiety, you go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. She goes into fight. She goes into fight. Yes, and it it sort of like takes over the mornings sometimes when it happens. It's you yeah. Know. She can hijack a whole morning with her stress, 
And, you know, there are times where I have just walked her to her room and said, stay here until you can be civil with all of us in this space because it's you're, you're hijacking the family room on a Sunday afternoon right. or a, a Monday, whatever. When we have time, when it's school, we just got to, you know, power through it. Does she, have you guys talked about it off, like when she's calm, calm, like we got to figure out something to do about these mornings? Yes, but I think she has some shame around it because she often doesn't want to talk about it. Right. You know? She she often doesn't want to talk about anything sad, dark, or a corrective about her behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that one, last one's obvious, but the other ones are, if, if it's a story about the news or somebody's sick or died, she, do, she, she doesn't want to talk about it. to watch movies that uh, Mark might start to cry during because she doesn't like to see him cry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our instinct is usually to make sure that they're not exposed to those things that are going to cause that kind of... Ajita? distress. What I was going to say is it's totally, we don't need to talk at them and have to have long conversations, but when you're doing something else, like driving or what is, what is a thing to do, whatever. Um, if you can mention, we have to come up, you don't have to talk about it, but we need to come up with a solution for what to do when you just feel like you can't, you, you, you don't like what is happening, you know, and use whatever example, you know, how yesterday, and it's not, a, it, it's, you understand and you can say what's happening is your brain is, you know, it's that. It's ha- your lizard your, brain. It's your lizard brain. Exactly. Your lizard brain is taking, taking over. over and you want to get your wizard brain back. Or you can show her the, that hand model of the brain where the thumb goes on the inside, that's your limbic system or your lizard brain, and here's the four fingers over it. You mean make it with my own hand? Make it with your own hand, then the four fingers go over it, and that's your prefrontal cortex. And when you get into that, when when something feels like a threat, like you don't have the right pants to wear, which feels like a threat, and whatever it is, it doesn't have to be an important threat. The point is, is that anxiety is your brain's inability to figure out what a real threat and a not real threat are. You you respond the same way, that you flip your lid. So you can show her, if you flip your lid, the only thing working is this guy, the lizard brain. And so, of course, you're going to be yelling and crying and screaming because you're not thinking clearly. And we can't ask you to think clearly when that's happening. So since we know that that happens, what are four things that make you feel a little bit more calm? Just things that you like. Whether it's, I don't know, what are four things she likes? Does she have any things that she likes? She likes a squishy thing. Squishies. So maybe she, she likes knows. Slime. Great. So maybe she knows, uh oh, I got to get my lid back on. I need a minute and I'm going to go to my slime bin or I'm going to go to my whatever. And it's not that she's in trouble. It's just she needs to pick one of those four things, do it, and then you guys will figure out a solution to the problem. But just practicing, not getting this right and not getting, this isn't solving the whole thing. It's just getting her Mm -hmm. to operate with some solution for her to get her, you know, if you think of a glitter jar, when the, Mm -hmm. when you shake up the glitter jar, the glitter needs to settle before she can do Mm -hmm. anything. So you can even show her that she can, she can shake a glitter jar or a snow globe and see that when your stuff is swirling, you can't get anything done. So just wait it out. Just 
Get yourself back. It's helpful to think of it that way also for me because I think sometimes I get annoyed that like, okay, you don't have the perfect pants who cares? and there are right. kids who like, I mean, awful things happening. Right. That's not, that and doesn't register. And then when register. you're screaming, right? So it's more like she, it's almost like when a toddler has a tantrum exactly. and the tantrum's having them. She's just it, not in equilibrium. Exactly. She's in disequilibrium. Is that a word? Sure. Sure. The lizard brain's taking over. Yeah. And so just to, it's not her. It's not personal. It's not personal. It's really what what is the long-term goal is helping her understand what a real threat is and what a fake threat is. And so she just needs to get to practice what her, your prefrontal cortex tells you. You have a stress response system that's a good thing because if somebody's chasing you, you need to run like hell. But if, or fight or whatever. But if she doesn't learn mm-hmm. how to get her prefrontal cortex to go like, it's okay, alarm bells, all's quiet over here. It's not, it's actually not what we thought. She's never going to be able to get past this like reactive state. And it's also temperament. Like she is, if if she is temperamentally a more anxious kid, mm-hmm. that's just a bigger challenge for her. So rather than building it as like bad behavior, it's mm-hmm. just it's some people have stronger muscles in mm-hmm. certain areas, and this is one that she needs to practice every day, which is why it's also good to try to practice some form of mindfulness every day with her, even if it's like mindful eating, like where everybody's quiet and just for five minutes on a timer during mealtime, and you're just paying attention to what you're eating or br- mindful brushing your teeth, something where you're being conscious of what you're doing in that moment and that's all that's happening. And that's not, again, so that you're just mindful all the time. It's so mm-hmm. that she's doing all those things to work on that muscle that's just harder for her. Um, but also having exposure to those dis- things that she's telling you she's uncomfortable with and pointing out she survived them. Yes. Like you crying at a movie and finding out, listen, I mean, we all know Mark cries a lot when he's emotionally involved in a movie or a play, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> Not as much when the camera's rolling and it would be useful. <laughs> so, you you know, and that that's your, that's just, you're having an emotional experience responding to somebody who did some piece of artwork that is meant to get that reaction from you. It's actually kind of beautiful. And so it might be sad for her and that's okay too. Like being comfortable with being uncomfortable is mm-hmm. a gift I wish all of our yeah, parents I mean, had given us. I wish us. I had that. Like we can't make this better for you. Dad is crying and it is weird to see this person you love so much feel vulnerable. But it's yeah. also, it's totally okay because you're okay. Mm-hmm. You just, you're, you're going to come out of it. If you didn't come out of it, then you'd be a train wreck, you know, and you might want to, we would have a different conversation. It's interesting that being comfortable with being uncomfortable because I am aware of that. And she'll say to me, make me feel better. And I'll say, she'll also say she care. Does. She, she says, care. care, do something, make me feel better. That's incredible. But I'm like, I can't. It's being sad and worried is just a part of life and you're yeah. going to get through it. But she still, then she takes that, uh, she'll say then you don't care. So maybe it's just when she re- when she says something like that, just sit next to her and say, is there something that you think I can do? Is it? Is there something I can do to help you feel better? And maybe she'll realize like, no, not unless you fix this. Right. But it, Or you can just say, I'm right here. I know it's hard. Right. But it's not like, them's are the breaks, kid. It's more just, 
I'm 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 right I here with you. This is right. I see you. Right. But it's, I also want to say changing. with three kids. Right. It's a lot this to give is her. Partly about her anxiety, but it's also she's someone who needs attention. I'm a second child. I need attention. Well, then she made can a, be an actor. Made a career choice based <laughs> on it. No. I am on shrooms. Not what you're thinking. The legal kind. But these mushrooms are still magic. Everyday magic, you might say. This episode of Raising Good Humans is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, a wellness company that mixes shrooms and adaptogens with coffee, cacao, latte, protein powder, and edible skincare. It contains lion's mane, which is a functional mushroom, and your brain's best friend because it supports focus, productivity, and creativity. Fun fact, lion's mane mushrooms have long been used by the Buddhist monks to help with focus during meditation. Plus, it includes chaga, the king of mushrooms, which supports your immune system with antioxidant properties. So no, these shrooms do not contain psilocybin, but they will help your brain. And you might be wondering, does this coffee taste like mushrooms? Because I was, and that seemed very unappealing. But it does not taste that way at all. No sense. It tastes just like regular coffee or just like latte or just like cacao mix or just like chai. There are different flavors. It's made with 100% organic coffee beans, no sugar, no carbs, no calories. As I said, it's organic, it's vegan, it's paleo, it's sugar-free, it's dairy-free. It's awesome. And also because Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee has half the caffeine of regular coffee, you can actually have lots of it. Personally, for me, that's a good thing because I have coffee throughout the day, but this doesn't leave me jittery. The easy-to-use packets you can kind of put in your pocket, put in your purse, take anywhere, put in your suitcase. And of course, there's a special offer for the Raising Good Humans audience. You receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. You just go to foursigmatic.com humans or enter the code humans at checkout. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash humans to receive 15% off your order. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. There's got to be a moment in the morning that she's hijacked when you say, and I, I know you said something very passingly that is key, which is, it shouldn't be seen as a punishment to go to that squishy toy or to go to that slime. So two separate things. You're going to talk about those four things that help her feel like she Why can get— Why does it have to be four? What if we can only think of three? Then do three. Fine. Um, right. Truly, just whatever she—you know, you ask her. Um, those are things you talk about not in the moment because you let her know that's what you're going to have as your tools. I'm going to be having breakfast with your sibling. Okay, so what if she's— Standing there by the table, screaming. Then, okay, we've been in this situation before. Right. She doesn't want to go to her glitter thing. Right. What do you do then? Well, you can then let her know 
if she can hear you, right? If she's just screaming, then I think, unfortunately, you're just present. You're not getting angry and being like, get to your glitter jar isn't going to do anything. And we're not picking her up and taking her to her glitter jar? No, because in a way, if you do that, you are taking away from everybody else. And then it becomes like a dance with she's not getting enough attention. So if you're just there— What do you mean? Well, if you bring— if Why you, is it not appropriate to, to remove her from the room, put her in her room and say, here are your squishy toys? You can use them or scream whatever you like. That's totally But you're not going to ruin our time in the family room right now. So I would tell her all of that when she can hear you, which is not when she's having a tantrum. And then she'll know. You can, you can give her the sign, like— this is your, the, you don't have to explain any of it in that moment. You can send her to her space to calm down. And if she doesn't go and you want to take her, fine. I still wouldn't talk about it with her. But that mm-hmm. makes her more angry. When yes, we- but that's, that's okay. Like if, if what Mark is saying is, yeah, but now if we don't move her, remove her physically, she's going to stand there and scream in our ear and ruin our breakfast. Yes, that's right. And that is going to make you guys get set off. Then you can tell her again, not in the moment, in the heat of the moment, some other time, here's what's going to happen when that happens. This space, our mealtime space, gets is unavailable for screaming and yelling and crying. You are allowed to have those feelings in your room. You're allowed to have those feelings outside, but in this space where we're trying to have a meal, people who need to have those big feelings need to have them elsewhere Mm -hmm. because it's disruptive. And we can talk about them another time, and I'm here for you, but in that moment, family mealtime is family mealtime. And so you can either say, so I'm going to remind you by pointing to where you can go, or you can physically move her if you guys really feel like that's the only way she's going. Or you can try three times where you just totally ignore it because you've given her all of the alternatives and you're just going to say, we're going to have to just wait this out because if we give her too much attention, it's just feeding Even the cycle. Even if it's negative attention, it's, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't, you can't discipline feelings that it never works. So it just becomes like a fight. Darn. No, I think that's great advice. So to too. recap, she has some things that are self, self-soothing. And we'll talk about it out, not in the moment of activation. And just to remember that it's the lizard brain and it's not. I love the thing you did where you shoved your thumb inside your palm and covered it with your four fingers. That Dan was, Siegel came up with that. He's a genius. But uh, that's your lizard brain, mm-hmm. which is also called your limbic system, uh-huh. being covered by the prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. which is your more equanimitous. Wizard brain. Wizard brain. Great. I was going to do another thing, but unless you have one. Well, just related to this topic of anxiety, um, Lila sometimes gets very overwhelmed with work or, you know, things, responsibilities, whatever. And she, um, I'm wondering if the same applies to helping her cope with that. Cause she also sort of goes offline in, uh, stress, you know, You can also, if she's going in a loop of worrying about stuff, you can set aside. You can talk to her about, like, is this productive worry or is this not productive worry? If it's productive, it means you worry about it and it gives you an idea of a solution. And now you can find a solution and then it's so good that you worried about it. Like, I'm worried that I'm not going to get my work done in time for this Friday test. What does that do? That worrying has made me budget X number of minutes per day as my plan to study. Great. That's a good kind of worry. 
I'm worried that I'm not going to have enough hours to study for my test. I'm going to just not be able to sleep, and I'm going to think about it all the time. That's unproductive worry because now you're not studying. And what do you do about unproductive worry? So you tell her, you need to set aside, let's set aside 10 minutes to tell me what you're worried about, and then let's, that's it. (laughs) That's what, we're setting aside 10 minutes a day for this this worry time. If it's, if that's too much because she actually doesn't go through this daily, it's weekly. No, it's not daily. Yeah. Just set aside the time. Let's say, how much time are we going to give to this worry? Let's do it. And then that's it. Let's put it away. And let's only focus on the productive stuff. So what can we, what actions can we take so that she can shift her worries into an action plan? It's just a little bit more productive. Mm-hmm. And the rest is like, take your time every every time you need to, to worry. Don't try to neutralize that because you won't be able to, but then put it away. And then if you still have things to worry about in that, of that particular topic, you know that tomorrow at three o'clock you get to do it as well. And I'll be right here to listen. It also says, we don't give an hour to these worries. We give 10 minutes to these worries and then we put them aside. And it doesn't mean they're going away. We're just putting them to the side. Mm-hmm. And the other thing with Lila is it may be that she's like, I just need to get this off my chest. And so you don't give any advice. Like the, It's just like, shut up parenting. She just says what she's worried about and you go. Mm-hmm. Noted. Noted. And that may be maddening or awesome, depending on her. So you could even ask her, do you want me to, do you, do you want my advice or do you want me to listen? It probably depends on your individual relationships with her. She probably expects certain things from each of you, depending. Like with therapy in general, it feels like 90% of the time she'd rather you just listen than try to fix it. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) And how about that's got to be really hard. That's got to be really frustrating that you're so so worried about that. If you feel that way, because I think they have such a sniffer for – Bullshit. Bullshit, like fake empathy or compassion that's like you do care, but you're also like, I know the script. I have to see you and feel you and well, move you know, on. It's so. funny you're saying that because it may not be bullshit, but the thing they must or might want is for you to be activated. Because as we know in relationships, sometimes the only thing that will make you feel better is to make the other person <laughs> feel worse yeah. or to feel your pain. Right. Because unless you see it registered. It's a real window. (laughs) (laughs) All Mark wants is for you to be stressed out when he is. No, don't you ever feel like. Well, misery loves company. Like the apology isn't enough. I want you to. I want you to feel feel my pain. Right. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know. And by the way, I've felt enough pain before I get that apology from this one that uh, (laughs) we're good by that. Um, Yes. I, I I think there's a lot of probably putting that on, you know, like you're, you just want someone else to, this happens with parents all the time. One person is anxious about a kid doing something that is like, let's say you never get two parents that are like, yes, you're taking that risk going down that steep mountain. There's always one that's like more anxious than the other. And whoever is the anxious one often says, if you would worry about this, I could relax. And sometimes it's right. the same with the kids. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> no, that's true. That's so true. So I think you just There are things notice. in our marriage where you're worried about it, so I don't have to. Right. And where when I'm worried about it, you're like, oh, boy, if he's worried about it, that's means I, that I got to really worry about it. No, I think if you're worried, I don't have to worry. Well, we don't need to worry. 
I'm trying to worry less. I have another subject. Okay, bring it up. The issue of what are we exposing our kids to? And there are some shows I'm not a fan of that our girls are watching right now and maybe some things that might. And so there's the issue of like, I would love to take my kids to a museum, but I myself don't even love going to a museum that much. I like it and I like learning and I think it's important. But I, you know, so how do we navigate and curate for our kids the right stuff, even though maybe it would be easier sometimes to just let them watch what they love on a weekend? No, that's a really good question. It's just, it's a tough call. I think the let them watch what they're going to watch with the conversation. Like if it's garbage, what about that garbage do they like so that it's at least out there as a discussion? Or what did they notice that was like, you're cool with them watching one of those terrible shows, but they they just need to let you know what what parts were, you know, did they notice make girls seem a particular way? Or what was the storyline that was... I mean, on this one show that Dana knows what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. I'm so curious. And I, it'll probably come out, but what is there's... It? It's Dance Moms. Dance Moms. I don't know and there's is. like this nightmare tyrant who runs Abby, who it's runs real, this dance terrible. company. And there are moments she will, a parent, because of her ego about her daughter, is yelling at her. And she'll go, well, now that you did that, your daughter's no longer the lead in that dance. Someone's very punish. invested in <laughs> plot lines of she'll, dance. She'll punish. Is this a reality show? <laughs> she'll pu- yes. yes. Oh, my God. She'll punish the child for what the mother did. It's the most It's sick, awful. You know... Awful show. Okay. But the kids love it. But they love it. You know what it is? It's like mindless, like drama. It's candy. And I can get behind it because I have those. We have those. I know. We We watch watch tons of terrible shows, reality shows. And I'm like, the kids love Survivor. That's, you know. We love Survivor. That's crime and punishment compared to Dance Mom. It is. (laughs) You know what? It is. You know what it is? You can't just curate perfect, beautiful, intellectually stimulating uh, material for them because, first of all, that's unrealistic. And second of all, they wouldn't be members of their own cohort. Like, it, it doesn't— right. they, like, how I'd do like they to even force connect? them to watch The West Wing, not only because I was on it, <laughs> but because it's, like, going to teach them about government and noble virtues wish, and values. We wish we were better. And more that too. erudite and more culture. Yeah, but that's that's one aspect. Well, but but it's some combination because you can so as a family you can pick something that's a little bit of a challenge or struggle for all of you. Like mm, we don't really none of us really want to be here, but let's figure out what was interesting about it. But then I think take advantage of the fact that look, if you're gonna let them watch a trashy reality show. At least get into it with them and discuss, like, what those personalities were, what is happening. Why does it ignite you or them? Like, what is it that it makes you sucked into watching other people's stuff? At least then you're saying, like, you're not endorsing it, but you're having a larger discussion we about what it done. is. Yeah, I've done that. That's a great, that's a great idea. No, I mean, I'm, even if I use it sometimes so that I don't have to watch it with them and I can do some work, right? which is often the case. On the other hand, I am catching a little of what's going on. Let's talk about it when they're done. And then you can like kind of laugh or connect over something that is sort of 
you're not supposed to because you're the parents and it's trashy TV. So why would, like, they're expecting you to be like, here's what's wrong with this. So it would be interesting to say, like, I, I see what, I see what that is. It's like Fortnite, which I think is awful. But if you reject, if you have kids who are into, which I know yours are not, but if you have kids that are into video games or something, if you spend all your time just rejecting it instead of connecting with them over the parts that make sense to them or they connect with, you're missing an opportunity to to bond and yeah. then to say like, okay, I'm open to that a little bit. Candy is not all bad. Let's just make sure that we've got it. We throw some other things in there. Wait, I have one more thing on the subject. Frisco uh, has a knee-jerk response. He goes to a very progressive school. We're mm-hmm. in a time of mm-hmm. political correctness. And there are moments where we'll show a Key and Peele sketch mm-hmm. and he'll say that's racist. Or we'll have a m- moment where anything is mentioned specific to women versus boys. Mm-hmm. And he'll point out that it's sexist. Mm. And sometimes I think it's in the service of a noble cause. Right. And sometimes I think he just loves correcting anything that might be wrong mm-hmm. because this is a generation of uber-sensitive, politically correct minds. And I'm not sure how to approach it because it's great to have an awareness, but it's also like, give me a break. I think about this so much, and I think that our kids need to learn how to spot things that are hurtful or offensive or stereotyping or whatever, but also they need to shut up and listen and watch so that they understand what's out there. So what is the, me- maybe there's a larger message that Key and Peel has. And if you are spending so much time watching, ready to pounce on what was wrong or what was offensive, you're actually not taking anything in. So just saying like, <laughs> try just watching and don't comment at all and just experience it. And Especially then, when it's two African-American men right. pointing out some- Maybe they have uh, a point. Right. Themes in American culture. Yeah. I mean, that's the the only way I can think of it because otherwise you're right. Most of the time kids can, they're, they're learning in real time how to assess something and it's confusing. So just, I think, getting them to be quiet and observe more instead of already being lawyers yeah. would be the only thing we can do. That's great. Because don't you think the other risk is that, of course, we're all progressive and we want our kids to have progressive thinking, but we don't want them to actually not understand how to listen to people no matter what their opinions are. Otherwise, we get ourselves into yes huge pickles like we have today in society. So s- focusing on that too, like not just looking at what's wrong or the you know, the problems or the holes, but actually just being open to listening to whatever anybody has to say. But, but I, I think but you're it's good so to, right for the to, pendulum to just swing. Like take the screen away for a second and just get the whole right. sketch, get the whole movie, then decide. Don't just quickly point it out right. left and right and then you don't get you any miss of the humor. Half of it, right? Yeah. I I feel this way all the time with my kids. I'm like, just hold on a second. I get it. You're they're just so excited to share what yeah, they've learned and I think so. process it, but they do need to learn to sit back and like watch the whole thing. It's like being wanna... ready to argue before the person yes. finishes. There's a feeling of like an addiction like it's so compelling. It's so <sighs> compelling to talk about our kids because we love them so much and we want what's best for them so much and to sit here and share with you what 
we need to learn about how to handle them and deal with them and engage with them is so useful. And I feel like if I were listening, I'd want to know for myself what I want to hear. What Are you going to take people... calls in so people can ask questions? Uh, sure. Or is that maybe. radio? Well, that's another thing. Next time, I'd like to talk about <laughs> is apologizing to your children What's because I think I think it's it's a it's a facet of our generation as parents that didn't exist in our parents' generation as parents that I don't know where I stand on it. I Every time I apologize, I wonder, am I really that sorry? I'm the parent. Well, I'm in charge. Well, you the way you handled it, though. In that case, yes. And I did apologize. And I do a lot. But I don't know that every time I apologize, it's, it's something I should have apologized for. Oh. So that is a great discussion for our next Sit down. Yeah. But in this case, I think it was probably a worthy apology and then move on. But I just want to say this is an example of how much I want to keep talking to you because there's so much. Oh, we much. could be here all day. I could do this with you I for I could do this for weeks. hours. I feel like I'm I'm getting for free, like amazing parenting advice. Thank you guys for doing this. Thank you for all the help you've given yeah. us. It was great. for just showing up when I least expect you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. And please let me know what you think. You can DM me any questions or comments on at Raising Good Humans podcast on Instagram. And if you enjoyed it, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And next week, I'm really excited to have Susan Kaiser Greenland on. She's coming on just in time for Thanksgiving because we're going to talk about gratitude. She's an internationally recognized teacher in mindfulness and meditation in children, teens, parents, and professionals, and has done trainings at hospitals, universities, and in schools. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Have a great week. 